Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short term plans at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good right. luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. On the day that Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane are almost but not quite 100% confirmed as a new Irish management team, we've got an incredible lineup over the course of our two shows. Later in second captain's football, Keane's teammate turned enemy, turned chairman, turned enemy again, Niall Quinn. We're going to have the man who convinced Keane to return to international football as a player, Brian Kerr. And the only person in Ireland not excited by this appointment, Richie Sadler, is going to talk to us. Yeah, always the contrary, you know. That's the one. That's all on show number two, which show one in studio, Emmett Malone. John Delaney was on Pat Kenny today. You may well have heard him where he said O'Neill will be manager with Keane as assistant, although it's not going to be confirmed just yet. He uh, sees no lawful impediment yeah, as to no why these two people cannot be joined together with the FAI. So we'll have Emmett on that and also Shane Supple. Shane played in goals for Roy Keane at Ipswich before. Uh, very interestingly, deciding to quit uh, professional football not that many players do it particularly uh, when they're still relatively young and with loads of time still to go Shane Supple did that and found I think Keane to be quite amenable to that maybe somewhat surprisingly I know he also has a couple of uh, experiences maybe of Keane the other side of the more wrathful side of Keane as a manager in the few months that he played for him so we'll see just not so much what Keane was like as a manager but whether Shane thinks he can work as a number two because a lot of us I think everybody in the country is struggling to see exactly how he will do that Eddie O'Sullivan on the dynamic of working with a powerful number two, Eddie was that mm. assistant. He's had quite for, a few. Yeah, uh, well, he was assistant to Warren Gatland, and then Declan Kidney was his assistant. I don't think mm. either of those were particularly rosy scenarios. Let's, yeah, let's hope for something a little better from Martin O'Neill, from Monkino, as uh, Monkino. we were putting on, uh, on Twitter. I'm hoping on. you're impressed with that lineup. So impressed that you won't be too angry when you hear that Ken Early is not in work this week. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's Ken an interesting week. He had a, yeah, he scheduled a holiday for yep. quite a long time. And despite the rumblings on Friday, he refused to cancel that holiday yep. and is now swanning He has actually been guiltily contacting contacting us over the last couple of days. Oh, he's been a machine. He's been doing more work than even when he's here. It's, it's incredible. I, I, bizarrely enough, he's contacted us more in the last two days from New York than he has in many days when we've been in the same office as him. So for that, we should be thankful at least. Some of the tweets and texts coming in, Sean Marin on Twitter says, try asking Keane again, what was wrong with Mick saying he was faking injury to get him uh, to get out of playing for his country? I think that... Uh, Ken that didn't go down too well. Ken tried that one time, before so, and it yeah, fairly ended the injury. They said an email in from PJ, second captains at, the Irish, at irishtimes.com. I can't believe Mon overlooked Kingy for the number two role. Well... 
you know, I mean, you know, can you get two big characters like Martin O'Neill and Noel King together <laughs> in a management true. team? You know, that's that, that would be my concern. Flex Brown says, who's the lucky person in the FAI in charge of travel arrangements for the team? Hashtag to be fair, which is uh, yeah, along the lines of what? Yeah, well, what I, like? I think in fairness, right, that the, the players of today, I, I haven't heard any complaints from any players over the last six or seven years about stuff that the FAI could be doing for them from a logistical point of view. So from, from that point of view, what Roy Keane did 11 years ago, <clears throat> 11 years ago. Oh yeah, John, John Delaney was obsessed with the idea of it being he, he's, years a, ago. he's a trained accountant, <laughs> which is kind of interesting really yeah. that he, you know, 2013 minus 2002 equals 11. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, what uh, Roy Keane complained about so bitterly 11 years ago uh, ha- did actually have the impact of improving the lot of the Irish player quite considerably. So I, do, I don't know that the the, per- the FAI person in charge of the travel arrangements is necessarily walking around with a target on his or her back. Yeah, that again though, if that's not going to be part of Roy Keane's brief, we're all still wondering. And we'll have to wait until Saturday, which is a bit of a killer for the old news cycle. It's exciting today. Uh, I don't know what happens over the next few days as we wait to, to see. Well, we will, of course, um, see tonight what they have to say on ITV. Well, that'll be a fairly short conversation. Uh, one would imagine so we, we're still waiting to well, see what exactly Emmerdale, you see, so. and Delaney himself says that listen Martin O'Neill will explain his own role he'll explain how his backroom team is going to work he'll talk about all of that on Saturday we won't really see it until they actually start playing and this is the key thing the talk that maybe there'll be a full house for the Latvia match mm. is actually amazing because I'm as excited as anyone else is to see how this will work I'm not 100% sure it's going to be successful but it could be but the team itself will be basically the same players who are playing under Trapattoni. I don't know what you're I don't going to think see. Martin O'Neill isn't renowned for playing. Just yeah, you know, he's not exactly Ozzy Ardiles, Murph, mm. as Ardiles managed that Spurs team in the 1990s. Good, it's not going to be hot crazy pop culture reference. It there probably won't be a very exciting game. But yet we'll just be watching to see what, what happens there. Yeah, talking to each other oh, on the bench. Is that a bust up? Yeah, they seem I, to be disagreeing. Yeah, I don't really. Yeah, I, it, yeah, that is interesting. I don't know how it could be a sellout. You know, or I don't know how they're going to add bumps, but they will. People are will, just be yeah. curious just to see how uh, how it all goes down. Martin O'Neill, uh, as I mentioned at press conferences on Saturday, the same day that Joe Schmidt takes charge of the national rugby team for the first time. Eddie will talk to us about that, as will Shane Jennings. There is this idea that Joe Schmidt is just a just a nice guy who happens to be um, just 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 being polite to everyone, friendly, working his way up the ranks. Mm. Is now the national team coach. I think Shane Jennings is a slightly different take on things. Not that he's not nice. Not that he's a total tyrant or anything like that, but there there is a side to Joe Schmidt that is a little bit more ruthless, I think, than a lot of people have given credit for. So we'll chat about that. It's just basically how do you be an international manager uh, in sport? That's basically what this show is all about. Seems to be, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, first up, we're going to speak about this. I love my uh, Irishness, and I think that the irony of it all is that I have spent almost 40 years out of the country I feel as Irish as the day I left. I feel as proud as the day I left. And that will never change. I actually felt that being an Ulster Irishman was a different feeling to being a Southern Irishman. You know, I haven't sat round a table with Roy Keane, for instance, but I'm quite sure his view of Irishness would be different to my own. Uh, he would he would have had a different set of experiences to the one that I would have been used to in the north. John Delaney, he's on about the honesty and tech. I wouldn't take any notice of that man. People seem to forget what was going on in that World Cup, and that man's on about honesty. I'm giving you a night of 
you cut corners, it's got to be all or nothing. It's going back to me in 2002, if you prepare for something and it's not right, then you're going to get bloody nowhere. That definitely comes from the top, from the FEI. I'm going to tell you something you don't want to hear. I was one of the players, he didn't, he didn't have the courtesy to ring me. He got interviewed and all he said was, I don't know where he is, he's on the island. He's on the island somewhere, I think. We're all going to be celebrating on the pitch after beating San Marino then. That does worry me, I have to say. But that comes from the top, from the FAI. That'll do attitude has been going on far too long. That'll do. That'll do the Irish. Let's change that attitude towards Irish supporters as well. Listen, they want to see the team winning as well. Let's not kid ourselves. I know we're a small country and, you listen, we're up against it. But let's not just go along for the sing song every now and again. It happened, it's happened to, it happened to me. It happened to me when I was 17, 18 years of age when I played France for the Irish under 16 or 17. The lads who got ahead of me that night were from Dublin, and the manager that night was from Dublin. I know Steve Sutton's not from Dublin, but a lot of the FBI are. I've been involved in Ireland since I was 15 years of age, and that man didn't have the decency even to make a phone call, try my hotel room. Yeah, you can laugh. That was the World Cup. You can achieve anything you want, if you believe it. If you don't believe it, and that's coming, like I keep saying, from the FBI or the manager, staff, whatever, then you're going to get nowhere. You can talk all day, like you're saying, you're saying to talk, the FBI talk, you can talk all you want. I've been talking the last hundred years. Well, it's all water under the bridge if uh, John Delaney's comments today is anything to, or anything to go by. We're joined by Emma Malone, football correspondent here at the Irish Times, and also by Shane Supple, who played under Roy Keane at Ipswich Town. Lads, thanks very much for coming in and chatting about all of this, starting Emmett with John Delaney on Pat Kenny this morning. He said that he has met Keane a couple of times. He said the past was discussed for about 30 seconds and now it's all on to the future. Yeah, yeah. He said that he was impressed by the Roy Keane that he met last week and uh, we can only hope that Roy Keane was, was impressed by the, the John Delaney that he met. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Keane was delighted to hear that as well. Yeah, he I impressed I, John Delaney. I, I, it's very high on his list of priorities, I'd I, say. I, I can imagine that's the intention that he went there with. All right, yeah, yeah. The first point to make really about the... Delaney appearance on News Talk with Pat Kenny was it struck me as kind of strange that he came on without it being 100% signed and sealed he said there's no problem no impediment or anything like that but the contracts have and he's even named yeah. Saturday as the day for a press conference yeah yeah but it's kind of strange that he was on before the contracts. The, had been the guys at News Talk seemed to find it strange as well because they were they were going a little bit harder with it before he came on. I mean, the, the sense up there seemed to be that Delaney was coming on to absolutely one hundred percent say this is done, and then he didn't. I mean, virtually from the off, um, we, we have him saying that uh, you know he can't see any impediment to this being done. So it's um, it's ninety nine percent there, which we've sort of known for a few days. So it's essentially a confirmation that there's going to be a confirmation. Um, but you know, look, I mean, it, it, it does seem to be that he's he's very confident, as you say. He's, he said several times that uh, that uh, O'Neill will be unveiled on Saturday. So um, I think we're taking at this stage that uh, it's simply a matter of pe- people signing on the dotted line. Did we get any more of a sense through what John Delaney said of how the process worked, of how it actually came about that Martin O'Neill became the manager with Roy Keane as his assistant? Um, and as part of that question, I guess, whether or not there was any... Um, need for the committee of Rue Doctor and Rahab? I don't think we did hugely. I mean, I, it was interesting that he said that that uh, the committee um, met with both uh, Martin O'Neill and, and Roy Keane, because I have to say that was news to me. I mean, the impression I was under was that from the outset uh, the, the FAI had sort of decided, certainly before it could have been possible really, I think, for either of those men to have met uh, Martin O'Neill, the FAI had decided that uh, at board level that that was the man that they wanted and that they were going to go after him. Um, um, so, you know, it's news to me that they, they met with him at that point. It's also news to me that they met 
Roy Keane. I mean, I'm sure he must have uh, loved that as well. Um, and that the two guys have come back and, and recommended this to the board. But essentially, this was, you know, as far as I could see, driven from the board, deciding very early on, almost from the word go, if not before the word go. I mean, we have, um, and, and been done, or, sorry, Brian Kerr, rather, revealing the other night that um, that uh, O'Neill was, was dining with FAI uh, officials before the Sweden game when Trapattoni was still in the job. Um, so this, you know, all seems to go back a, a long way. So what part... Um, is there a contradiction? How, yeah, is there a how influential the guys were in that? I, I can't really figure out. Just thinking about it, is there a bit of a contradiction where in one case, John Delaney says that Martin O'Neill said to him, how would you feel about Roy Keane being my assistant? And John Delaney said... Absolutely. That's your call. Absolutely. That's fine. And on the other hand, Delaney saying that the panel, the headhunting panel also spoke to Roy Keane. I would have thought if it was Martin O'Neill's idea, which we all presume it was, Mm. John Delaney accepted that idea that Roy Keane, that's fine with me. Fine that John Delaney maybe needs to meet with Roy Keane, but why on earth would would Ray Houghton need to meet with Roy Keane at that point? Well, uh, other than going through the process, I can't really see the sense of it, no. I mean, I, I think the sense from, from the FAI of the last few days is that this is Martin O'Neill's call. And if it is Martin O'Neill's call, as you say, I mean, the idea that Ray Houghton and, and Rude Doctor were going to go in there and, and, you know, countermand that or recommend that his call not be accepted seems faintly ridiculous, you know. So, so no, I, 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 my impression of that process from the outset sort of was that Martin O'Neill was the number one target. They were playing Mick McCarthy as a possible fallback and that the boys then were, were ticking a lot of boxes in terms of going around Europe, talking to any credible candidate that um, that applied for the job, which meant on the one hand, the FAI were covered in terms of being able to say that they interviewed these guys, whoever that might be, Hector Cooper or, you know, mm. uh, anyone serious who expressed it so that they couldn't be slagged off about that afterwards. But on the other hand, that if it actually did come to that, if somehow Martin O'Neill didn't work out, Mick McCarthy didn't work out, that they also had a process that was underway. And that's, you know, I don't think that's the worst thing ever, you know, but but the, the, the suggestion now that, that, you know, it's almost like they kind of tack on at the end that that, that these guys are interviewed for the job so that the, so that there's a, a formal a formal recommendation to be made. Yeah, maybe what uh, Danny meant there was that he'd been interviewed with the view to taking over the job as manager and that they, had, they hadn't actually spoken to him yeah, about being sure. a number two, but they, they'd, they'd spoken to him as part of that, that, that covering the arses kind yeah, yeah. of... Uh, yeah, maybe that's, what, maybe that's what that was. Shane Supple, Roy Keane as a number two. Yeah, You're smiling. Uh, not something I would have I would have called, no, to be honest. Um, I could only see him as, a, as the main man um, there and when I played under him, he certainly was. Uh, even the backroom team he had in, he kind of, there were more yes men maybe, you know, and he had control. So I found it strange when I heard on Friday night I thought it was a joke to begin with. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't see. I thought someone was, you know, pulling my leg at the time because of my, you know, time playing under him. But um, I thought no, there's no chance that's that's going to happen. So what you hear that a assistant coach should be able to do or the, maybe there are different strengths that different assistant coaches have but you hear hands-on coaching is one thing sometimes that they just do pretty much all the coaching and the manager deals with the other issues man management they're the ones who put the arm around the player and as a credit just essentially working as a sort of a conduit between the management uh, the manager himself and the players Roy Keane I assume the Roy Keane that you know anyway wouldn't really be they wouldn't be his strengths yeah possibly but again you're talking about club football here as well um, international football is a different you know scenario probably um, from the number of managers I probably worked under that was the the situation or the number two was the, the coach he did all the sessions and he probably was more of the players friends and 
the go-to guy if you had an issue, you know. Um, the manager was maybe a bit more standoffish and he just did his own thing. And So um, maybe international football might be a different kettle of fish for Roy and I think it might maybe work, you know. I remember speaking to you after you decided to retire and that was such an interesting story because not that many people do it. You, you, most people would just stay on and earn pretty big books over there and all the rest of it. But you told us at the time that he handled that quite well. Keane was okay with you on that? Yeah, actually, that was uh, he was very good, to be honest. Um, I didn't know how he was going to take it. To be honest, I didn't really care anyway because I was getting out of there. So. But um, I, I still was, you know, I wonder what he's going to say. You know, I'm interested to see what he's going to say. But he was fantastic, you know, the way he dealt with it. And I think he, he respected my decision in the end and he, he said he'd help me out in any way, you know, possible down along the line. Now, I never had to call in that favour. So, um, no, he was brilliant in that regard, definitely. Did it surprise you how good he was with that? And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but before that as a manager did you are the stories all true or you know is, is the perception of Keane true that he was very confrontational with players maybe overly so and overly demanding yes yeah, it's, it's, I've only run for two or three months you know and at that time there were a lot of you know incidents kind of that went on behind the scenes that you know you wouldn't see you know, on the on the pitch he's, he is very calm and collective you know and in the dressing room he, he can get heated you know and, and flip out at times but there was some things and I thought you know, that wasn't right there. You're not going to get the best out of a player if you're, you know, criticising him personally and stuff like that, you know. So maybe in, in that front, yeah, um, it w- wasn't probably the right when way to go. you say criticising him personally? You know, just question him, you know, if he's doing, he's not doing enough, you know, and maybe he's doing stuff outside of the game, you know, picking up in bits and pieces like that. And I thought that was a bit maybe unfair, you know. There's no need to bring up stuff like that in the dressing room, you know, in front of his teammates. That actually tallies Emmett almost exactly with what Alex Ferguson was saying that Keane was obsessed with the Rock of Gibraltar Keane seems to know what's going on in people's lives behind the scene and that seems again this is all yeah. uh, you know whether or not this applies to international football we don't yet know and Keane could prove to be maybe he has to change now maybe this is opportunity to, to change become the coach he's only in his early 40s he's sure. a young, very young manager yeah, yeah, yeah. could this be the making of him? Well I mean, it certainly could be. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of suggestions from the the people who, who the, the the ones who are supportive of him, who are fans essentially, but who probably you know acknowledge that neither the tail end of Sunderland nor Ipswich generally went terribly well for him. That he's had time out to reflect on on where he went wrong, and that he'll come back, you know, a, a calmer, kind of more re- reflective individual. And and if that's the case, I mean, absolutely, as you say, he's 42 years of age. I mean, a lot of people don't get started in coaching until that 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 age or in management, and he's already had two pretty sizable jobs, you know, but absolutely he can come back from that, he can learn under under O'Neill and I heard uh, Kevin Caban suggest yesterday that this could this regime essentially could be the next 10 or 15 years of the Ireland management um, team that, you know, uh, we could have uh, Keane um, succeeding uh, O'Neill down the line somewhere. Well, I find that a bit far-fetched, you know. I find it. I, I, th- I find the. I find the train wreck scenario still the more likely one here, you know. But um, but the bottom line is, if that is the case, I mean, he is absolutely obsessive. He's a perfectionist. He has incredible drive. He has high expectations. He he's an inspirational at his best. He's a hugely inspirational character, you know. I've seen that. We've all seen that in terms of his is is you know the way the way he fires people up on the pitch when it's at its best. But it can go badly wrong. And if we get the good Roy Keane here. If he learns, or if he has learned how to channel all of that for the good, then then it can be fantastic. I think is that possible? Yeah, I think I think especially you have to you know realize here he's he's gone into international football now. It's not club football. You're not going to be around the players every single day, yeah. which I think will help the players probably more so. But you know because it's Ireland as well, 
um, I think it will, he will have a bit more of an influence and you know you're dealing with Sunderland or British Town you have a lot of different nationalities in there maybe don't relate to Keane or his style you know but maybe the Irish lads will um, I know there's a couple of English lads involved in the Irish setup as well as there always has been but I think it, it could you know it could pay off and his his management style might just work yeah, because I mean, he he signed so many Irish players at Sunderland, and uh, you know, even at Ipswich as well. Like he really backed himself to know what makes Irish players tick, and he was a lot more comfortable signing Irish players, and, or maybe signing ex many other players who he knew the character of. But he really did back himself to get the absolute best out of Irish players. So, from the positive point of view, to avoid the sort of train wreck scenario yeah. that we all kind of think that that there is maybe there is merit to that that he does. But the downside of that was he just signed so many players and seemed in many cases to have them barely onto the training ground when he sort of decided that he couldn't get the best out of them and he'd moved on to somebody else. I mean, there were players who came into Sunderland and were discarded almost, you know, almost immediately. Um, uh, um, so, I mean, he's not going to have that option this time. He's going to have to work with what he has and get the best out of them. I mean, the, what's, what's the pool of Irish players? I think the suggestion the other day was that Noel King was going to inform um, clubs that the 40 players were, were, might be required for this squad. Well, that, I think we can take it, is the absolute limit of kind of plausible international call-ups you know that's yeah. what he's got to work with he's got to make that work himself and O'Neill and, and O'Neill has to make sure that Keane doesn't get in the way of him making it work yeah we've barely talked about Martin O'Neill the new Ireland manager <laughs> about to be the new Ireland manager Shane is this a sign of his the, his strength and his own convictions that he can appoint somebody like Roy Keane with his stature in the game and not feel threatened by that feel that he can actually I guess control Roy Keane yeah, I don't think there's many that would, would say they could do that. But, you know, from everything you hear about Martin O'Neill and his time, different players who played under him, they have a lot of respect for the man. So he is a bit older, you know, on the tooth maybe. And if anyone is to do it, maybe he is the man. I know they spend a bit of time in, in commentary and Roy TV and stuff like that. So they've probably got to know each other a bit better. Maybe uh, that can work, you know, in the long term. But You don't sound convinced by any of this, though, Shane. You're not sure that it's <laughs> going to work, are you? I'm not sure. I think the, the one thing in its favour is, again, Going back to it, it's international football. It's, you know, 10 days to two weeks, maybe you'll have the players every, you know, two months or whatever it is. So I think if it's to work, it'll be because of that, because he's not, you're not around the players, you know, constantly every single day that maybe they won't get fed up with or sick of listening to. Emma, we've spoken a little bit, and this is a very expensive management team, and even given that Dennis O'Brien is footing some of the bill, I don't know if we know exactly the percentage, presumably the FAI still have to pay a fair whack too. Yeah. Now for that, you'd want results, and if they get us to major tournaments, I'm sure everyone will be delighted with that. Do, do we require any more? This is something that we've talked about, whether or not the management have to think about the strategy of Irish football and where we where we yeah, go. Yeah, right well, look, I mean, I I think it's interesting. Um, this morning, when Delaney was asked about, uh, you know, would would these guys bring full houses uh, back to the Aviva, which is obviously a, an important factor for the FEI, which are really on their knees financially, and and you know they could they 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 desperately need to boost the crowds where revenues have have collapsed for them uh, in terms of uh, live match attendances. So so they want that, but what we have um, what we have is is Delaney saying essentially that if the team is successful that the first aim is for the team to be successful to get to the European Championship which you know it's we should be seeded to qualify for that 
there's still a possibility that we'll actually only be seeded to make the playoffs for that. Um, but making the next European Championships is huge. Um, I think what we see within the the association already, and with, from the time they targeted O'Neill, first of all, is that this kind of complaint that was made under Trapattoni that the team didn't play attractive enough football mm. has sort of been jettisoned already. I don't think it's a priority that the team will be required to play good football. I don't think I don't. They don't. I certainly don't think they've hired O'Neill to do that. Uh, if you were, you know, for all his qualities, if you were, if you were looking for a new manager to to play beautiful, the beautiful game, then he he wouldn't be top of your list. But he will hopefully inspire the you know the team to get the best out of them and play probably to their strengths the way Trapattoni thought he was playing to their their strengths. Beyond that, I sincerely hope there's a brief here for both O'Neill and Keane to play a part in the longer term development of the game, and that may be you know barring um, Kilban's assessment of this thing going on for. 10 or 15 years, I think that requires a commitment to laying groundwork for their successors, for other men to come in the, in, in the future. And that's something that there's very little record of in football management generally, but certainly in the Irish game there hasn't been. And that there needs to be an integration of these guys from the top down if, 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 if things are to improve over the years ahead. Well, can I put a quote to you then that might disappoint you somewhat? This is from <laughs> Martin O'Neill's interview with Clive Woodard recently in BBC, yeah. and he said, this is very recent, in the last couple of months, uh, by which point the Ireland speculation was already there. Sure. Now, he was speaking in the context of that, but also in the context of how England moved forward. Anyway, he talked about the priority of international managers. In fact, the only concern, it's the winning of the football games, he says. I don't think any international manager has to concern himself at all with a long, long-term future. It doesn't matter if he's been part of something he sets up, well and good, but he has to win football matches. Yeah, and I can absolutely see that that's his view, but it, it can't be the FAI's view. And if they've hired him on that basis, then we already have a problem because people like O'Neill and... I mean, there's huge problems at underage level in Irish football. There are huge divisions, huge battles going on between different segments of the games within clubs. There's a lack of of willingness to work together. And the idea that that we can make up ground on better resourced, better um, organised associations without those those segments of the game working hugely closely together is a fantasy. And it's going to take, or whatever chance we have, um, it depends on people like O'Neill and Keane coming in and working from the top and trying to inspire people to work together. And, you know, we have a situation now, and, and Shane knows this better than me, we have a situation now where the big clubs in England aren't taking Irish players because they're, they're looking so much further afield. They're taking African players, Asian players, South American players. You know, you look at clubs like Chelsea, Arsenal, you know, Liverpool. We have nobody at these clubs, you know, essentially, who's going to be playing for them in the next 10 or 15 years. We have, after... 20, 30, 50 years of farming out, of outsourcing the development of our, our young talent to England, we have to take more responsibility for it now. And if that's going to happen, and if the Irish team is going to have a flow of quality young players coming through in the future, these guys are going to have to make an impact on that. And, and O'Neill, you know, O'Neill was interviewing for this job, or, you know, if it's the case, and he's talked to Delaney about it. If Delaney hasn't raised that as a possibility, then already yeah, we have because this was only a few weeks yeah, ago. Sure, this interview, sure, it's not like I'm yeah, plucking yeah. this out. And if you're the if you are O'Neill or if you are any international manager going in, why would you want to get involved in this? You know, there's no incentive for you. You know, but the guys who are paying you a million quid a year should be telling you that that's part of the gig. Shane, yeah, I think definitely there are. You know, from being around the game at, at youth level and down the schoolboys. There is massive problems there. But know? is it up for Martin O'Neill? To I think yeah, definitely. I need someone. I need a figurehead or someone to go in with. Obviously, someone with him who knows what's going on at that level to come in and say this needs to be done, that needs to be done. We all need to be pulling in the same direction. Otherwise, you're going to have GAA or rugby 
you know, being the top sports in this country and we're not going to produce players anymore. I know for one, the big clubs in, the, in England, Arsenal, they have no scout in Ireland anymore looking at players. They don't want to know about Irish players really? anymore. So, you know, from the lads who've gone over in the past, you know, I think Anthony Stokes might have been the last one to go over there. And Liam Brady's obviously not there anymore, you know, in a pivotal role probably. But they've pulled out of Ireland because they think, you know, there's no talent here or, you know, we're not going to go near them for some reason or another where there is, you know. There are players. We have got good players in this country. They just need to be, you know, coached better, you know, given better advice and bits and pieces like that. And, and we will produce players again. But there has been a, a massive, I think, in the last 10 years, you know, I think it's, it's declined the, the quality of player that we're producing. Emma, I just want to finish with uh, Roy Keane again and Delaney. In the history of hatchet burying in Irish football, of putting grudges aside, is this one more surprising than Keane and Quinn? Well, I don't think it's hugely surprising that we've got as far as we've got with it. You know, if Martin O'Neill said that he wanted Roy Keane in, I don't think Delaney was in any position to say no. I don't think he probably would have wanted to say no. He is, as everyone always says about Roy Keane, and, and look, I, you know, I've been more critical of him than, than some, but I certainly wouldn't deny he is box office, you know, and, and the FAI need that. So there's, there's, you know, there's an incentive here for everyone to get on with it, you know, but I still think, you know, we've heard the quotes at the start of the programme, we've heard absolutely how disparaging, how contemptuous um, Keane has been and can be of the FAI. You know, we'll, we'll see when things, when, if, when mm. things start and going that, wrong, you know. Now they're I'll, working together for 15 years. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Look, we, I go, we go back, what I would do is go back to the Faroe Islands and when the FAI were essentially briefing against Trapatoni in, in, I presume, an effort to provoke his resignation. Trapatoni treated the whole thing like it was water off the duck's back and got on with it. We'll see what happens if something like that happens with Roy Keane. As a journalist, you must be pretty happy though. I mean, I've never seen so many Irish I'm journalists. mainly happy that it's over. I really? just wanted it over, Owen. It's over. <laughs> this is an exciting period, though, for... Uh it's the I, for the Irish media it's certainly going to be interesting I heard Pat Murphy from the BBC yesterday suggest and he's a, he seems to be a close friend of Martin O'Neill's I heard him uh, suggest at the end that it's going to be interesting rather than spectacular which he meant as a good thing so mm. we'll, we'll see you know either way it's certainly going to be interesting Emmett Malone Shane Sopel great to have the two of you in. thanks very much okay just before we leave this we did actually get an email from Noel Davis uh, in Chapel Lizard that's to secondcaptains at irishtimes.com hi lads the story of Roy Keane always reminds me of the ancient fable of the frog and the scorpion. The scorpion needed to cross the stream and persuaded the reluctant frog to give him a ride on his back. You'll sting me, protested the frog. I will not sting you. If I were to sting you, you would both surely drown. The frog believes the scorpion and agrees to bring him to the other side. Halfway across, the frog feels a sharp sting on his back and begins to struggle. Why did you sting me? Now we'll both drown. The scorpion says, I'm sorry. It's my nature to sting. Uh, while the appointment of O'Neill and Keane is undoubtedly an exciting one, I can't help but feel fear the inevitable meltdown. Hopefully by the time that happens, the frog will have safely carried us to France. Interesting times ahead. Grib it. <laughs> <laughs> and that, as I say, is from Noel, da- Noel Davis in Chapel, is it? An excellent spelling of the word ribbit there. The audio we played at the start of the package there on Martin O'Neill, on Roy, more on Roy Keane and his relationship with John Delaney, but the O'Neill part of it was a speech that he gave to uh, at Aris Anuktaran. He was invited by the President, Mary McAleese, to give a speech on Irishness and his feelings of Irishness and his definition of that as far as he's concerned. It was really, really interesting stuff. We put it all online because it was sort of a 20-minute, half-an-hour kind of monologue and I was then asked a bit of, if there's a bit of Q&A at the end. Really good stuff. But uh, Murph, the whole idea of the assistant manager, we talked to Shane Supple there about what's required um, and what why he thinks that Roy mm. Keane maybe doesn't have the skill set at the moment, the toolkit, whatever you might call. I'm trying to just think of the great Irish assistant managers. There was Morris Setters, obviously. Well, I, th- I think that I think that 
you know, Ian everyone, everyone Evans. Is, yeah, everyone is trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way of, of you know, the lads working this out. I mean, why are we even talking about this? Roy Keane has the model of the perfect number two to base himself on. He played under Morris Setters. <laughs> That's all the education the man needs, I would have thought. I mean, sure, Roy and Mar- Morris may not have seen eye to eye completely on all matters football during the course of uh, Roy's time as an international football player. But I feel that if he just you know, just goes back through the memory banks, sees how Morris Setter uh, did the job. Come over. Well, yeah, there's, but also there's the big jackets as well, the big puffy jackets. I mean, if, if Kino can get those two key elements in good work. Do you remember order. the 94 World Cup incident when they had their bust-up, which yeah. apparently happened according to all concern. Jack Charlton marched Roy Keane out in front of a press conference just for 10 seconds. Yeah. Tell them that you didn't have an argument with Roy, with Morris Setters. No, we had no argument. So everything's okay between you. Yeah, yeah. Instead of really, <laughs> really annoyed looking Roy Keane. <laughs> See, that's the kind of man management we're looking for, you know? If we can get all of our ducks in a row here, I think we can, we can really work this Don't out. forget in our second captain's football later on, Niall Quinn, Brian Kerr and Richie Sadler are going to make up for the absence of Ken Early <laughs> through Ken an ill-time who? valley. Ken exactly, Murph, exactly. And on Thursday, we will have Eamon Dunphy. We're going to be, we were planning to talk to Eamon anyway about his book, which we will do, but there'll be plenty, I'm sure, on Keane and on Martin O'Neill in that chat. In fact, given that the press conference is on Saturday, mm. we had thought it might be Thursday, it might have tied in with that, but it's not going to, but it looks like it'll be Saturday. In fact, it will be. That's what, Mar- that's what John Delaney said. I'm just wondering, should we do a Mon Kino special? Would you be on for a little Ooh, bit of extra work, more for the weekend? Inter- well, you know me, Owen. I'm always up for a bit of extra work, particularly on the weekend. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Throw it out to our listeners. Yeah, well, I, I think it's an interesting proposition. I mean, if the will is there for people to listen to a show of hot off the presses, yeah, the digital audio presses, whatever, uh, on Saturday, then, you know, who are we to, to deny the people what they want? Get in touch with us on Twitter, at Second Captains. Let us know if you want us to be dragged into work on a Saturday afternoon. Would you do that to me? <laughs> Would you? Time now for a bit of this. That's right, you're a real Irishman. You get the potato yeah. I left in your dressing room there? You got the potatoes yeah. and the puccine. Huh? And the puccine. Oh, yeah, there you are. <laughs> Bone and bread, yeah, in uh, County Meath, a place called Navin. Yes, indeed, on. It's uh, it's uh, super. Yeah, it's first Brosnan <laughs> ever good shout out time on. And this week we've seen the hashtag PBESO side at such glamorous locales as the New York City Marathon, the Baseball World Series, and of course the big Singapore Syria Asia Cup football match. We started the World Series where second captain super fans, Carol Swanton and Andrew Feeney, were supporting their beloved Boston Red Sox in Fenway Park. And we should say credit where it's due, this is one of the cooler locations we've uh, been sent to Pibazo from. They also tried to get a picture with the bullpen cop, <laughs> Steve Horgan, who's now about the most famous man in Boston, incidentally. He's the guy, Owen. He's the police officer who is ecstatically celebrating a Boston home run while uh, Tory Hunter and LA Dodgers pair rived in agony yeah. just yards from uh, from him. In I was the, talking the to Carl about this. Yeah. And he said that they were very close to getting it. And it wasn't as though the Boston cop was just being professional, doing his job, refusing yeah. to take photos. He was taking multiple photos with fans who were all doing the pose with him. So he'd have his arms up. Yeah, and yeah. as far as I know, they would be the fielders. They'd have the legs upside down. Okay, but that's excellent. Just ran out of time. I think at some stage, somebody in the ground said, listen, cop, you've got to do your job here. <laughs> at some unspecified yeah. juncture, you will have to get back to real work. Uh, Brian Cassidy believes that he's responsible for the Pibezo hashtag's greatest ever sporting achievement as he and his mate Noel Comer uh, ran the entire New York Marathon proudly displaying the sign of freedom, glory and justice for all. Or at least pulled over for a second and got their photos taken (laughs) with the hashtag Pibezo sign. Either way, congratulations. Hardcore Pibezo fans all then and we appreciate their efforts. But the Pibezo slot has always been about the first fan in 
and the last fan in. What I'm trying to say, in essence, is I'm talking about spreading the second captain's message worldwide to chumps like Ted Shields. Uh, he's emailed us. Fresh off my one-way ticket to Singapore last week, I hooked up with a couple of friends living here for the big Singapore v. Syria Asian Cup qualifier that, that very night. We threw our weight behind our adopted homeland and were rewarded with a shock 2-1 win for the local side. Uh, the picture attached is just after the elusive Ji Jun Yi had put his 2-0 up. Anyway, to my great shame, I didn't know what they were doing with their hashtag P-Bezel sign, but never one to miss a photo op. I jumped on the bandwagon nonetheless. Please don't hold it against me, but I'd yet to tune into one of your podcasts. Fear not though, lads, I've since seen the light. That very evening, I listened to my first ever Second Captain's podcast about my beloved Claire winning the All-Ireland, and have been binge-listening my way through your entire back catalogue ever since. Hashtag better late than never. So please give a Pibezo shout-out to your new number one emigrant fan over here in Singapore, Ted Shields. Hi, Ted. Yeah. And the last horse crosses the finish line, Ted. Uh, another he- email here from Ronan Nestor. Hey, guys, after white raf- water rafting down this fairly murky river in Maytang, northern Thailand, uh, I thought it'd be an ideal opportunity to get the customary backpacker photo with the local kids playing nearby for a Pibezo. But alas, the concept of quality sports journalism and the plight of the Irish diaspora was lost on them. So this slightly defeated thumbs up was the best I could manage. Uh, Darren McNamara sent us a lovely email from Milwaukee via Boston. And finally, we have another in the increasingly needlessly verbose catalogue of Pibezos from John Leonard in the Americas. People seem to really want to show how smart they are to us, which in its way is nice. But, uh, highlights, while travelling across the Americas, I listen avidly to your show and it balances the exotic mayhem of my physical existence with the languid tales of sporting prowess from my far and distant home. Having emigrated the Green Isle many moons ago, I appreciate the lure of the so-called P-Bezel. It strikes a chord in my pining heart. So on a recent trip to the wondrous Machu Picchu, I climbed the mountain overlooking the ancient site and endeavoured, much to the chagrin and disdain of a security Ooh. guard at top of said mountain, to scrape Pibezo into the sacred ground. He called me names and I him. But in the end, I relented and I present you a Pibezo sign coupled with a local traditional sign known as the Sexy Llama to honour the great man himself and beloved Paddy emigrants around the world. Keep up the great work. It's Michel Lemas, John Leonard. Nice. So if you want to get any more of your uh, Pibezo's interest, please don't hesitate at Second Captains on Twitter, or you can email them directly to secondcaptains at irishtimes.com. Shane Jennings and Eddie O'Sullivan are ready to talk about Joe Schmidt's debut as head coach of the Irish rugby team against Samoa this Saturday. But before all that, Eddie, the big news today, of course, is that Martin O'Neill is almost confirmed as the head coach and manager of the Irish football team at Roy Keane as his number two. We've been talking about that being quite a ballsy call by O'Neill. Can you see the dynamic working here? Well, the first thing I'll say is that um, from Martin O'Neill's point of view, he must have had a good discussion with Roy Keane before uh, he made this decision. And the both of them would have to be on the same page. You can assume that's done and dusted. Um, I think what is a very important in a leadership role is that you surround yourself with strong people. Um, you don't want people around you when you're a leader, like Martin O'Neill's position as, as the, 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 the manager of the national team, to surround yourself with people who will go along to get along. And I think in someone like Keane, he'll get somebody who will tell him exactly what he thinks uh, at the drop of a hat or won't sugarcoat anything from. And I think that's a reflection on, on both Martin O'Neill, the strength of character of the guy. I've never met him, met, met the man, but the strength of character that he has, that he's prepared to take somebody on who will probably challenge him. And um, Roy Keane, we know, is a very straight talker and will challenge Martin O'Neill. And I think that dynamic can be very, very productive once the two guys know the, the landscape they're in, and I would, you would have to think and you would believe that they've trashed this out and they know how this is going to work. So I think it's a great move. I mean, it, 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 people would see it as a risky move. I don't think so. I, I think it's a move that, that will give 
both of them a, a, a strong role to play in, in moving the Irish soccer team forward. And for that reason, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great decision. Is that the key, Eddie, that this was Martin O'Neill's call 100%? He went after Roy Keane. You know, you worked as a number two to Gatland and you had Kidney as your number two. Yeah. And there were noted difficulties, I think, in those working relationships at times, whereas this one yeah. is a little different from that, I think. Well, I, I think it would be unconscionable um, for for it to be other than Martin O'Neill's decision. Um I can't. I can't imagine that it, under any circumstances this is not Martin O'Neill's idea, uh, his his thought, and it's what he wants. And obviously, he's spoken to Roy about it, and the two guys are the same mind. I, I don't, for one minute, uh, entertain the notion even that somehow uh, Roy Keane was foisted on Martin O'Neill. One, I don't believe Martin O'Neill would wear that. He wouldn't be touching the job with a barge pole. If 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 um. If uh, Roy Keane was foisted, and by the way, I wouldn't. I would think Roy wouldn't touch it with a barge flight, or he was, if he was being foisted on somebody. So I, I don't think that's actually even a discussion point. I think this is 100% Martin O'Neill, and on the back of discussions, it's 100% Roy Keane. And, and that's that, and that makes it workable. That a, makes it workable from your point of view. That it's, exactly that's the yeah. strength. That is to me is the strength of the appointment. If you have two strong characters who who will will make each other stronger, and that's the key to leadership is having people around you that will challenge you. Keane spoke very glowingly about the attitude of the, and has done on a number of occasions of the rugby team in the country and particularly around the time when he was still playing and you were coaching. He talked about the management and the players and the, the professionalism and the refusal to accept mediocrity, all those kind of things. Did you ever actually talk to Keane yourself about any of that? Did you meet him at all? Yeah, I actually met him. Uh, one, one occasion I met him, I remember most vividly, was we were uh, assembling for the Lions Tour of New Zealand in 2005 and uh, that was in, in the Vale of Glamorgan in, in outside Cardiff. And Manchester United were happened to be playing the uh, FA Cup final the following Saturday in Cardiff Arms, or in the Millennium Stadium. Mm-hmm. So he, he was in the hotel and I met him and we were chatting. And um, yeah, he's a, he's a very strong character. We were talking actually, I, I remember we were talking about that, that uh, year we had played England in Lansdowne Road and we beat England in Lansdowne Road. And it was a bruiser of a game, but we came out the right side of it. I was just chatting to him about it, and I said it was a tight game. And it was interesting, he said to me, well, he said, I was watching from a distance. I know it's different for you as a manager or as a coach. He said, well, I was watching, and I could see no way the way England were going to beat you. And I said, how did you figure that out? He says, I couldn't, did no penetration. Your defence was so good that you kept shutting them down. They were going nowhere. Did a lot of possession, and you made a lot of tackles. But they were making one So even a guy who's basically a soccer background, he was looking at a rugby game, and his assessment was actually very accurate. Now, when you're sitting in the stand and it's a one-score game and you're the manager, you're never going to be that relaxed. But he, from his point of view, he couldn't see England winning the game unless we screwed it up. And it turned out we didn't and we won the game. So it was a, it's a very interesting conversation. And um, I must say, like he, he came across to me as a guy who's not afraid to tell you what he thinks. And I, I like that. I think that's a great attribute to have. Not everybody likes that, but I, I would admire that in him. Yeah, no, it's interesting stuff. Shane Jennings is with us as well. Shane, Joe Schmidt, obviously, uh, in the rugby sphere, is starting his role probably now as the um, as the Ireland manager or Ireland coach in this case uh, very much a man who would I say would make clear that he's number one he's got a strong backroom team but it seems as though the kind of things that we've been talking about with regards to the football who does the hands-on coaching who does the man management am I right in thinking that Schmidt would do kind of a, a bit of all of that I think you're probably dead right with the the idea that he is the boss but I think Eddie made a very good point his first point is that you know he, he's had a good team around him in Leinster and uh He's got good coaches around him, but the thing that he does enjoy doing more than anything is coaching. Like he's he's like a little kid running around. You see him in his the shortest shorts you've ever seen running around the pitch, jumping around. 
he enjoys coaching and he's good at getting his point across. So that's one of the strengths that he has. But he's also had good teams around him in Leinster. Um, and I think we we had an impression of him before he came over from Issa, who had had, who had, had him in Auckland. And he says, yeah, listen, he's a very friendly guy, very enthusiastic. And then we, when he came over, Issa goes, oh, he's changed a bit. You know, he's got a bit more ruthless. Um, he's evolved as a coach. And, you know, in his three years in Leinster, he certainly evolved from when he first came in with us to uh, to when he's taken up this Irish position, you know, he's he's become a an even more ruthless man. If if, if it's hard for you guys to imagine, because he's always so squeaky clean and ruthless in, in what way? Things like that. How how is he ruthless? Well, I think you know Eddie was talking about challenging people and calling people out and, and being straight up and honest with them. And we had we in Leinster, we'd been brought to a certain level with Michael Checky. You know, he he got us a real appetite for work and. He really made us kind of playing for the club and for the province, and there was a doggedness there that it kind of had taken a long time to get into us. And then that was probably as far as we could go. And then Joe came in, and he had this kind of technical expertise that kind of kicked us on. But at the same time, I don't think I'd ever seen Brian or Darius or myself or Jamie or anybody being kind of picked out in the crowd and saying, "Listen, you're not doing that right." And like he'd be on you twenty four seven, and. Uh, whether it's a Monday after a game that you've won, there's always things that you can improve on. And uh, that's the way it was with him. And, and at the start in Leinster, he was obviously trying to suss the place out and getting to know people's personalities. And I think that's what kind of probably evolved more so than anything else. He had a, a group of guys that he trusted, good coaches. But his way was the way we were going to do it. And people bought into that because the way he was doing it was the right way, you know. He, um, he has that technical expertise and... At times, if you don't do it, it can be it can be painful. He'll call you out and he'll it'll make you feel pretty small. But like a perfect example would be that Stade Francais game. I think we played in I don't know whether it was the final or the semi final. I think it was the final of the Amlin. And uh, he said three moves. If you do this, we'll score off the three moves, and and we scored off the three. You know, so it's that kind of idea. When he says if you do these things and if you do them well, you'll get the reward for it. And that's when the players get a lot of faith and get a lot of confidence in his abilities when that kind of he kind of backs up those words. So I think that's the main thing that kind of came out from his time in Leinster. You know, there was a big buy-in from the start and uh, he's, he definitely evolved. And um, yeah, it was a very positive relationship. Yeah, Eddie, we may be seeing this honesty and this ruthlessness with Johnny Sexton in the last week or two. Uh, <laughs> quite surprisingly, maybe Joe Schmidt said publicly that Sexton was a bit flat arriving over initially for the camp now. Johnny Sexton's gone back over to France, didn't play, bit of an injury, back to Ireland again. What's your reading of uh, Joe Schmidt's handling of this, maybe the first sort of minor crisis of his reign? Well, I think he was sending two messages at the same time. But I, just to co- concur with what Shane is saying, I think it's important to mention that, you know, players and coaches are liking that they do change and they do develop and they do grow. So mm. Joe Schmidt is not the coach he was in Claremont and he's certainly not the coach he was, as Shane said, the first day he walked into Leinster. And you've got to accept that, that, Coaches are like players. You either get better or you get worse. You don't stay the same. And obviously, Joe Schmidt has learned as well with Leinster. He had a great, he had a great squad of players. You're talking about almost an international squad, but brought that squad to the next level and, and got got huge rewards for that with with the team with Heineken Cup and 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 the Amlin. But back to your point about the, the I think he was sending two messages. Mm. It, it was it was a it was a message. It was a blunt message to Johnny Sexton. Probably look, Johnny. You know, you've made your decision to go to France. You're coming back here now. You might be a bit, you know, worn around the edges, but this is you're back in. You're back here to do a job for Ireland. 
So, you know, it's kind of a, not a shot across his bowl, but a reminder that pitches up in a green shirt. The fact that he's a bit tired coming from France isn't going to wash too much, which is fair enough. Mm. But that, that's that's a message maybe to, to Johnny, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this. But I thought maybe another message, which is a very, very subtle message, goes out to maybe four or five guys in the Irish squad who are thinking of going overseas next year. And it's a message to them, like, if you go across to France, you're going to be coming back here for squad sessions, and you're going to be frazzled around the edges as well. So he was kind of reminding guys that, you know, faraway hills aren't as green as they look sometimes. So I think he was sending a double message there, which is, was, I mean, he did it publicly. You know, he's he's obviously a guy who who doesn't uh, doesn't hide messages. And I think again, I think that to me is a is a is a great way to manage people. You know, to say things up to people so they know exactly what you're thinking. They're not trying to wonder what you're thinking. They know exactly what you're thinking. Does that sound like Schmidt's way of thinking, Shane? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um... There definitely was two points to it, I'd say, you know, right? And uh, the thing about Johnny and Joe, though, honestly, that there is a like, is, it's unbelievable. Like, uh, the same motivation, the same drive for detail, and the same appetite to get the best out of players around them. And uh, I know from my experience with Johnny and Joe, the relationship was always extremely positive. And uh, as much as Joe drives detail, game preparation, game knowledge, all these kind of things, Johnny is, is just as big on that. And uh, Johnny's even more ruthless, if that makes sense. Like he, he demands it out of the players, and they're a very good combo, you know. And the two of them together will drive that squad on very, very well. But it is a, obviously an issue where they have to get the balance right of uh, the amount of games, travel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so, Shane, how have you you've been involved with the squad in the extended squad over the last number of weeks? How have the players from the other provinces taken to? Joe Schmidt, or what, what, can you get the sense yet so far of whether or not his message is getting across to them? Because it's obviously a new thing for them. Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think coming from Leinster, we probably had an inkling of what it was going to be like. Um, we know the amount of details and the amount of kind of emphasis he puts on the individuals to so be ready for whether it's meetings, pitch sessions. Uh, and things like that. Now, I don't know what the environments are, obviously, in the different provinces, but um, I think the players were quite pleasantly surprised. Um, it was a bit of a breath of fresh air. And um, not that I know all the coaches around the place, but I think Joe is quite a unique character. in, uh, And I think that level of precision, that level of detail, and that level of what he wants out of the players going forward uh, was very refreshing. And uh, I think the players have bought into it. And uh, obviously, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but a change is, is a very, very positive thing if, if you can buy into it the right way. And uh, players have seemed to have done that. And um, yeah, it seems like a very positive atmosphere at the moment. And like I said, like going back to the first point, you know, he's got a good team around him there, whether it's the backroom staff or whether it's his assistant coaches. And there's a good core group of players there that, uh, that lead the team well. And then when you've got a guy on top who's given direction well and... Um, it's a powerful combination. So, you know, it's a very positive thing at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting that Shane talks about that level of detail, Eddie, because I've heard a couple of players say this, and, and even some of the Irish players who've just started coming across, Joe Schmidt, that he, even off the ball, it's not just about, and even an attacking sense off the ball, it's not just about running a, a, a dummy run. It's about the line you're taking on that dummy run. It's not just about picking yourself up off the ground. It's about picking yourself up quickly and keeping the opposition honest and make them think that you are actually actively involved in the play. It seems like, I'm sure every coach is, is very detailed, but judging by what Shane says and some of the feedback coming back from the Irish camp, um, Schmidt seems to be a particular stickler for these, what would appear to be fairly tiny details. Well, yeah, and the game is progressing to the point where it's about two things, really, at the end of the day. 
is about work rate and accuracy. So if you up your work rate and you're very accurate at what you do, performance has to go up. And if you get 15, or put it in the case of a, of a, of a starting uh, 23, if 23 guys do that for 80 minutes, then you're guaranteed a good performance. There's always things that could be get better. Uh, but what you have to do then is you have to review. And, and obviously, Joel does that sort of review where he, he looks at it and says, you could have done that better. And the next time you've got to, you know, in the next performance, you've got to fix it. And that's what coaching is about. You know, you, you have, like, I, I remember you know, the, probably the greatest NFL coach, arguably in the history of the game, Bill Belichick, you know, team talk to the, to the Patriots before they went out to win their third Super Bowl in four years. He said he told them to do three things to win the Super Bowl for the third time. Do your job, do your job, do your job. You know, but to do your job, you need to know it. And, and there's no question or doubt that, that the players around Joe no doubt what their job is. The question is, can they get it done? Can they get it, get, it, get, it, get it done as often as they have to get it done? And can they get it done as well as they need to get it done? And that's the pressure that comes with playing, you know, professionally. And that pressure ratchets up now in, in international. Shane will tell you, it's another step up. And it's harder to get the same amount of work done. And it's harder to keep your accuracy because the pressure is greater at test level. And he will demand those standards. And in doing that, you've got to call guys out. And you've got to point out when guys make mistakes, whether it's on the training field or it's in the team room on the Monday morning. Otherwise, guys aren't going to know what their job is or how they can fix it. And that, that to me, is, is how you coach. And that's, that's excellent coaching. If you keep doing that, if you keep doing that, keep bringing guys to task, you know, making them accountable for their performances, guys will improve and they will get better. Shane, is this a tougher... Uh, so, I can't remember which of the players. One of the players this week suggested that Samoa is actually a tougher test than a lot of people are giving uh, giving them credit for. Is it a tricky enough one for a first game for a new coach? Yeah, it is. Um, I think, thankfully, the players aren't under that kind of uh, impression of Samoa. I think they're very realistic of who the opponents that we're going to play. You know, they're a talented bunch of players that are coming across. They've got the, the kind of pick of all the players that they want to have in their squad. So... Very talented team, very dangerous team. Uh, they haven't had an awful lot of time together, nor the Irish squad, to be honest. But um, it's different from the Samoan fact that they're obviously all around the world playing. Um, yeah, no, thankfully, like I said, the, the Irish players are under no illusions. But um, I think the general public may not give the credit to the Samoans that they deserve. So it's going to be a very physical game, obviously. Um, set piece, you would hope that we'd get some sort of dominance on. And uh, I think hopefully with the right personnel playing, you know, we can get a... We can get some good attacking play going because we've got some quality players. So uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, it's a good start, uh, and hopefully we can build a bit of momentum going into the, the, the two games after that. So yeah, it's very exciting, and uh, people are very much looking forward to it. Yeah, exciting times. I think an Irish sport full stop. We look forward to all of it with interest. Shane Jennings, Eddie O'Sullivan, brilliant. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers. I really would have. I would love to have been in that hotel in Cardiff in two thousand and five. Is that what it was before the Lions tour? Because I've heard of just the Manchester United team ahead of their FA Cup final there. The Lions team before heading over on their tour. Uh, quite a meeting of minds, as you heard there from Eddie O'Sullivan, who had a very interesting chat with Roy Keane. Another man who had an interesting chat with Roy Keane was Lawrence Delalio mm. on that trip. I read this uh, This story was related by Ronan O'Gara in his autobiography. Yeah. His first autobiography. He's got another one coming out now at the moment. But he said that everyone was, all the English rugby players were gathering around Keane. What a legend, real charisma that it, and O'Gara was struck by how drawn to Keane they were. Delalio in particular was trying to pick his brains and ask him a few questions here and there. Last question. So, Roy, how do you think the series is going to go in New Zealand? And Roy Keane goes, 3-0 All Blacks. 
Immediate, that was it. I love that story when you told me it a couple of months ago, and I still love it. He also seems to be a bit absolutely of a rugby brilliant. expert if Keane is anything to go. Because, yeah, true is his word. He absolutely nailed that prediction. Uh, couldn't have been any better. Coming up, yes, yeah, sorry. Oh, no, just uh, that um, that chat we just had with Eddie O'Sullivan and, and Shane Jennings really whetted my appetite for the uh, November internationals. Mm-hmm. But if only there was some sort of pull-out supplement mm-hmm. that could basically just uh, distill all of that, all of my wants, all of my rugby knowledge needs into one easy oh but what's what's this on it's the irish times rugby magazine free with tomorrow's paper uh it uh, includes a november series preview pat lamb interview plus the brian o'driscoll years bod versus the southern hemisphere and i should say just about the sexiest pundit profile pick of simon hick that i've ever seen Mm. not just (laughs) the sexiest pick of simon hick that i've ever seen the sexiest pick of anyone that I've ever seen. So for that alone, you should really get out. And, and how much is this free magazine? Oh, it's it's free. Od. And when is this free weekend magazine? It's tomorrow. It's uh, tomorrow. And it's, there's a lovely se- uh, second captain's ad on the inside page as well. <laughs> so all in all, all in all, it's absolutely. You could call it a poster. I mean, if if you were that way inclined, uh, kids, you can put it up on your on your wall, and maybe someday, you know, you could emulate your heroes. Coming up later on today, Niall Quinn. Uh, talks to us about his relationship with Roy Keane and how he sees the whole thing working between Keane and his relationship with Martin O'Neill, for that matter, how he sees the entire dynamic working there. Brian Kerr is going to chat a bit about that, but also about his own experiences when he was first given the Ireland job and the very triumphant sort of press conference. You know, a lot of his, a lot of you might remember that he had shortly after taking over. And Richie Sadler will tell us why he thinks the why Roy we're all Keane idiots. Idea this is the worst is idea we've ever heard. A very good one. That's all coming up a little bit later on. You can check us out on Twitter at secondcaptainsfacebook.com forward slash second captains. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you in a couple of hours. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 